turn to your Bibles to Exodus 14. And it's a lot like Sunday school this morning in the sense that we all know the parable that Sherry taught this morning in Sunday school. But we need to be reminded of these things. And I need to be reminded of these things. And this is the same for what, what's going to be ministered this morning. This is what the Lord has for our church. This is what He has for your life and my life as well. I want you to read in Exodus chapter 14. We'll read 3 and 4, and then we'll skip down to verse 8. Exodus 14, 3. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his, his heart, his host, I'm sorry, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Verse 8. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went up out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea besides Pihiroth before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, thou hast brought us away to die in the wilderness. Hast thou taken us away, I'm sorry, to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto, them, unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. 15 through 18. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch forth thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And behold, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and the Egyptians uh, that follow them. And I will set me, I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, upon his, and his, horse, his horsemen. Verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. We, have all, we all know this story. This account is not a story. I always say that these are biblical accounts. These are historical accounts. And there's more to it as well. But that for our purposes today is what we're going to read. It's a very simple truth. Uh, but it's a great truth, amen? A great truth. It's a familiar account 
but it's a very telling account. It tells about God. It tells about his provision and his protection and his power. It's a well-known historical account that we all have known. If you've grown up in church, you've heard this and you've taught it to the children and so forth. It's a well-known historical account, but seldomly do the people of God trust the Lord to see this work in our day. We will remember the account of the Lord by the hand of uh, Moses parting the Red Sea and, and bringing the children of Israel safely on dry ground. We re well remember the account, but we so quickly forget the God behind it. We forget the truth. We, for forget, we quickly forget who is behind it all. We believe, as blood-bought saints, if I were to ask you here this morning, that the Lord can do anything. That all power is indeed given unto the Lord. We believe that. But we don't trust Him to do it for us. We rightly believe God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. It's all God's Word. It's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is truth. It is a revelation of the Lord and so forth. But we rarely believe Him to be that same God that He's revealed in His Word for us. To us. But we believe, but we doubt. We believe, but in reality and practice, we doubt. We believe, but we don't actually expect to see Almighty God deliver and save and move and rescue and heal and fix and work mightily in our day. We believe it. We believe the promises. We believe the Scriptures. We believe that that is our God. But we rarely believe Him to do it for us and in our day. A.W. Tozer said that most of the people sitting in the pews on Sunday morning are actually practicing atheists the rest of the week. Not saying they're lost or saved. He's saying they're practicing atheists because what we profess and what we shout and what we sing and what we teach and what we lift our hands and exhort one another on Sunday, we seem to forget about totally on Monday in the rest of the week. And yet God has not changed. I would say, and I have said, God forgive us. God forgive us. Amen? The Bible says in Hebrews 13.8, you don't have to turn, but it says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. We just read an account, I don't know, 3,500 years ago. Uh, no, more than that. Uh, about about uh, about Moses in the Red Sea and the Lord parting the Red Sea for the children of Israel. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3.6 For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. You know what he's saying there in that verse? He's saying, because I'm merciful and I change not, and I've always been mer merciful. His mercies are fresh and new every morning because I'm merciful that I haven't, I haven't consumed you sons of Jacob or you nation of Israel. You've rebelled against me all these times. But because I changed not and I was merciful and I am merciful, you're not consumed. I'm not consuming you. I'm not destroying you. I would ask the question, what does that glorious truth, those last two verses on Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the fact that our God changes not. Change in that Malachi verse means to pervert, to transmutate. 
to transmutate into something else. Taking it from this and changing into something else. God says, I don't do that. I'm the Lord, I change not. I don't pervert. I don't twist. I don't change. I'm the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. What does that mean to the people of God? What does that mean to you and I, to you and me here today? And I, I can tell you this, it means everything. It means everything to you sitting there and it means everything to me that glorious truth it means that god is faithful to every generation it means that he is no respecter of persons it means that what he's done and does for others he'll do for you don't think that he won't he will i want to read this from psalm 89 i will sing of the mercies of the lord forever with my mouth will I make known it by faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall be established in the very heavens. It means everything to us that God is unchanging. That what I read about what David wrote in the Psalms thousands of years ago, that I'm reading that his faithfulness is established to every generation. That matters to us, okay? It matters to us. It means everything. It, and it means that what we read in the Scriptures, what God has revealed to us in His Word and by His Spirit is true. What God has revealed about you, what God has revealed about mankind, what God has revealed about Himself is true. And it means it's always true. It means it's true in every age, in every era, in every circumstance, in every trial of your life, in every... Uh, moral climate uh, that's going on in the world. It means that God is true. His word is true. And it's true all the time. It's true all the time. I know that you hear it. It's nothing new, but college campuses and everywhere else that there is no truth is what's being taught by professors and books and the, the big uh, mental people. You know, with the big brains and, and, and yet don't know Jesus Christ, professing themselves to become wise, they become fools. They're saying there is no truth. It's just relative to the times. It's relative to the circumstances of the people. And, and it's all relative. But God said, no, it's not all rel relative. He's God from everlasting to everlasting. His truth is established in His faithfulness to all generations. And I'm just going to give some this morning just because these are the ones that the Lord put on my heart. What does it mean to you and to me that our God doesn't change? It means that when He makes a promise in Isaiah 26 that thou will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because He trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever from the Lord Jehovah's everlasting strength. You know what that means? It means just what it says. God will keep you and me in perfect peace when we keep our minds stayed upon Him. And He has everlasting strength to do it. What does it mean? It means in Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah 49, 16, where the Lord says, I'm not going to forget you, Israel. I've engraved you in the palms of my hands. Every time I look, I see the people of Israel. They were unfaithful, and yet God has made a covenant with them. He will keep them. I've engraved you in the palm of my hands. It means, like the Lord said in, in uh, Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? 
I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And we answer that, no, Lord. No, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. It means, as, as the Lord Jesus said in John 6, all that the, fa- all that the Father hath given, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Promise after promise after promise after promise from the Lord. Because he changes not, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is that same God that we read about in Exodus 14, part in the Red Sea for the children of Israel. Our Savior wants to know that, wants us to know that about him. Our Savior wants us to trust him fully to be that to us and for us. Our Savior wants us to trust and believe our God to do good and to be good, to do great and to be great because his word says he is to do great for us for his children for those that know him and i know that the lord may never again part the red sea you know and have walls of water on the left hand and the right he may never again part the red sea as he did in exodus 14 but i tell you there's a few things god wants to know us to know this morning he can And he might. If he sees fit to do it, he will. He may never again part that Red Sea, but he can. And if he sees fit in his sovereignty and wisdom to do it, he will. And nothing's going to stop him from doing it. He can and he will. His hand is not, his ears not closed or deaf that he can't hear. His hand is not waxed short or kind of shriveled up that he cannot save. He's still the Savior. He's still the one that saved the Israelites in that moment, in that time where they were trapped at that time. He may not part the Red Sea again, but he he certainly will part your Red Sea. You got a Red Sea in your life. You have something in your life. If you don't, you will. He can provide what you need in this hour, the deliverance that you need, the help you need, the salvation that you need. He may not again part the Red Sea, but without question, he'll still today in this day part your Red Sea. He'll make a way for you. You're looking at things right now and you say there's no way. There's no way. I believe God can do anything, but but this is different. This I'm looking at. There's no way. That's unbelief. That's an evil heart of unbelief. Not saying you're not saved. We need to cast that down. We need to repent of that. He might not part the Red Sea again, but he'll, he'll make a way for you. He'll do a great miracle for you. He will move mountains for you. He will defeat strong enemies for you. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Just think about it. Him. He can do all above all that we ask or think. Which well, you can conceive it in your mind. I'm not talking about sinful things. If we can conceive it in our mind, God is able to do exceeding abundantly. I looked that up one time because I was teaching at the, at the Parkview Bible study. And I was teaching that scripture and talking to the, the baseball team about that. And I was studying that and it, it means ex- exceeding abundantly means like to super abound. It means like to cast beyond. 
And I gave you the, the example, and I don't have the figures with me, but I, I like sports and, and so forth. I use a lot of sports examples, but I was looking up, I said, okay, what's the farthest javelin throw ever, ever? You know, and I find these statistics, and, and I don't remember what they were. I, I, but anyway, the, the farthest javelin throw, the guy's name, the date that it happened, how far it was. Second place guy, you know, foot and a half behind him. Third place guy, another foot behind him, all time. And you could do that with a mile run or any, anything. What's the world record? How much did he beat the world record by? That kind of thing. And so I picture these guys throwing a javelin, and this guy throws it six inches past whatever the previous world record was. And now he's, he's got the world record. And I said, it'd be like the Lord just taking the javelin and slinging it out of the stadium, just out of sight somewhere. He's not compared to these little markers and these little things. He's just super abounds. And when he says he is able to do exceeding abundantly, that's what that means. To super abound, beyond measure, beyond compare. All that, all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's the power of Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And he might not part the Red Sea again, but apart your Red Sea as he sees fit. And, and don't think that he won't still do it today. Don't think that he can't still do it today. He'll do it today. And He wants us to know that this morning. He wants us to know He'll still do it today. He'll do it for His own glory. He'll do it because He can. He'll do it because He's good. He'll do it because He's God. He'll do it because He promised He would. He'll do it because He's kind. He'll do it because He loves us. He'll do it because He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Don't think that He won't do it today. I don't want to be, like Tozer said, a, a Christian on Sunday and a practicing atheist in the rest of my life. I want to trust God just as much tomorrow morning as today or more. God wants to encourage His people this morning in this age to trust Him. In this age, right now. In this hour, right now. In these set of circumstances. You know your set of circumstances economically, socially, morally, we know the, the, spiritually the climate that we're in. He wants us to know that about Him. His power and His power to deliver and His power to deliver us now, today. He wants us to know it in the face of the enemy that you're facing and the opposition that you're facing. He wants us, trust, us to trust Him to be big. He wants us to trust Him to be almighty. He wants us to trust Him to be able. He wants us to trust Him to be present, that He's here with us, that He's not far off somewhere and can't hear us or help us. He wants us to trust Him to be the God He has revealed Himself to be in His Word and proven Himself to be throughout history. He has revealed Himself to be this God that He says He is in His Word, and He has proven Himself to be that exact God. And He's proven that in your life as well. You might have disappointments. You might have things you've prayed for that haven't been answered yet or were not or are totally different than what you prayed for. But it doesn't mean that God's been unfaithful. Amen? God sees fit to do as He does. Some of those prayers are going to be answered.
They're going to be answered in His timing and in His way, His perfect time. But He He wants us to trust Him to be the God He's revealed Himself and proven Himself to be throughout history. He wants us to trust Him to be the God that works those miracles on our behalf and in our day. I think a lot of times we think the stories like parting the Red Sea or, or Noah and the ark and the worldwide flood and so forth, these are, these are stories just to kind of illustrate the power of God, and yet they're not real to us. It's, it's, we remember the story, the details of it, could tell it without opening our Bibles, but to trust Him to be that God in our day, God provided an ark. It never rained on the earth, the Bible says. He provided an ark for all those that wanted to get on. There's only eight that wanted to get on, that believed. But it was, it was an ark of salvation and safety that God provided. God is still doing that today, and He's doing it for the glory of Jesus Christ. We need to trust Him. And we need to step out upon His promises. You know that, that little, I guess, an example, an illustration of alligator arms, right? Can't quite reach the ground, can't reach in the pockets to get your wallet out. Uh, and I think a lot of times our faith is, is that way that we believe. We're nodding with our heads and we're in agreement with everything. Well, I believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and we're not stepping out to put our hands to the plow and not looking back and walking with the Lord and say, I'm, I'm going to plow this field for Jesus. I'm going, to, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to step out on every single promise that's for me. I'm not talking about misinterpreting the Scriptures or misapplying a promise that was strictly for Israel and making it your own. I'm talking about the promises of God for our lives. Stepping out upon those. We believe, but in reality, we're not trusting. We're not stepping out especially when it comes to the things that scare us, the things that disappoint us, the things that look impossible to us. It looks impossible to you, but it's not, it doesn't look impossible to God. He's not worried about it. He's not losing sleep over it. He doesn't sleep or slumber anyway, but He's not stressed about it. He's not worried about it. We need to be about our Father's business and doing His will and leave all the, the, the sweating and the fretting to the Lord. Cast it all down. Give it over. Trust the Lord. Get to work serving God the way He's called us to and leave all the, the fretting about it all in, in the Lord's hands. Now I'm preaching something that I need one of y'all to preach to me. Okay? Understand it. But we need this. God wants His people to trust Him like this and to serve Him. I think a lot of times we're paralyzed with fear. We don't step out on the promises of God. The world's not seeing this great God the way He could be and should be displayed through your life, through my life, through the church of Jesus Christ because we got those little alligator arms. We believe it all. We can't quite reach out and do anything, anything that God's called us to do. We're just not doing it. We do the things we're comfortable with doing we don't step out on the things we're not comfortable with doing. I don't know how comfortable Moses was standing up over a Red Sea and commanding it to depart, I mean to divide. And he said, God says, Moses, tell the people go forward. This before the sea parted. We're going to go forward, y'all. And we're like, what are you talking about? Forward is the sea. Yes, we're going to go forward. 
don't know how comfortable he was with that, but he, he stepped out of the promises of God and he saw the, the faithfulness of God, the power of God. Jesus told Mary and Martha to roll the stone away. Their brother was dead. Their brother had been decaying in the tomb for four days. He was stinking. Four days. And he asked them to roll the stone away. And when the stone was rolled away, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And he turned to Mary and Martha and said, Didn't I say unto you, if you would only believe, you would see the glory of God? Not your glory, the glory of God. You want to see the glory of God? Step out and believe. Step out on his promises. He's the same God that raised Lazarus from the dead when his body was decaying. Said, unwrap him from those burial clothes and, and let him go. A lot of people believed because they came to visit and see this. They heard about this man raised from the dead by Jesus. And a lot of people came to faith in Jesus when they saw the man later, had supper with him or whatever, and, and saw him raised from the dead. But the Lord, praise God, and this is what I want to talk about in, in, in wrapping this up today, is that with the Lord, there's always another way. There's always another way. And what I mean by that, there's a third way. There might be a fourth way, but I'm saying a third way for his people to go or to turn. Our God makes another way. And I don't always know beforehand. Usually I don't think we do know beforehand that way that he's going to provide. But he's going to do it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that uh, for, the, for there has no tempta temptation taken you, but such that is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you or allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of what? Escape, that you may be able to bear it. God makes ways that we don't see, but He does it. He makes ways of deliverance. He, he reaches down and provides salvation the Bible is filled with these accounts. Our lives, if we really stop, took, stop long enough to take an account, are fill up, filled with uh, testimonies of the faithfulness of God. But I want to go back to the children of Israel uh, in the wilderness. They were literally what we would call uh, between a rock and a hard place. Have you ever been between a rock and a hard place? Yes, you have been. Are you there right now? Many of you probably are or feel like you are. There's a pressure there. There's a uh, uneasiness there. There's a fear there. There's an anxiety there. There's a, I don't know what to do. This side's a rock. This side's a hard, hard place. I'm getting squished here. I'm getting crushed here. And the children of Israel were in such a place. They, they were between Pharaoh's army behind them and all, it says all of his chariots. There's, there was a, this is a world power. They've been decimated by the plagues. But whatever he could muster, they would still have more of a military might with chariots and horses and soldiers than the Israelites had with their little kids and their, their sheep and their donkeys and their stuff like that and packing all their stuff out there in the wilderness. They got Pharaoh's army behind and they have a Red Sea, an ocean, basically before them. They are trapped. They are hemmed in. They are caught. There is no way out. There's no other direction to turn. There's no other path to take. There is death before and death behind. There is destruction before instruction behind. There's no escape. And the Israelites in that moment, it says they turned to God, but they didn't really turn to God. 
You can see that they didn't turn to God because I'll read. We read it earlier, but it says they said to Moses, it had been better for us to. Here's their two choices. That's why I said God makes another way. It had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than here's their two choices in their minds than that we should die in the wilderness. Two choices. We could have stayed in Egypt and just kept being slaves and serve the Egyptians or we come out here and we die in the wilderness. They're both horrible, a rock and a hard place. But we'll choose the, the hard place instead of the rock. Serve the Egyptians. It had been better. What they're not considering is the third way. In this illustration, there's a third way. So it's something that never entered into their minds. It didn't enter into Moses' mind. How? We knew God could. And you know how I know that Moses knew God could? Because Moses had seen his hand at work. He had a relationship with the Lord. The Israelites saw his miracles, but Moses knew his way and walked with him and knew God's got a way. God's got a way. There's a way. Somehow, I'll turn to the Lord. Moses says, I'll turn to the Lord because there's something I'm not seeing that God's going to do. You know how else I know? God had made a promise to bring them to a promised land. He didn't make a promise to bring them into the wilderness and they die drowning or tangled up in the wilderness or get taken back to Egypt as slaves again or killed by Pharaoh and his army. God had made a promise. There's another way. There's a third way. There's a way besides. Okay? There's a way besides what we see these two ways. There, there's God's way. There's a deliverance that we don't see. But we can see the deliverer. Amen? That's what he's wanting us to see. There's a deliverance we don't see. Our age, our day, today, we're living in perilous times. People are being faced with things they didn't think they're going to be faced with. And we're faced with them right now. We're faced with things. There's, there's a deliverance and there's a Savior and there's a promised land that the Israelites didn't see. It's not death by Pharaoh or death by the sea. There's something totally unthought of. Oh, there's a promised land ahead. God can part a Red Sea and bring us there. I never thought of that. No, you didn't. And I didn't either. But I can turn to God and I can trust Him to do it. Amen? And He wants us to trust Him to do it. It doesn't have to be death by the sea or death by Pharaoh. It doesn't have to be what I merely see with my natural eyes. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's faith in God. It's a simple message this morning, but I need to get it. Amen? We need to get it. He wants us to see not just with our or what we conceive with our carnal minds or see with our natural eyes. It doesn't have to be, also it doesn't have to be just what the enemy says it's going to be for your life. Y'all know that we have an adversary, the Bible says the devil. Very clearly that's said in the scriptures. And one of the best He's, a, he's not, Clinton used to say he's not good, but he's a good devil. He's not good, he's evil, but he's good at what he does, at being a devil. And one of the best things, I think, that he, one of the most effective, let's put it that way, things that Satan does is intimidate. He calls threats 
and we're over, it looks overwhelming to us. And we start agreeing with the devil. Yeah, we're going to get crushed. You know, we, we believe the lies of the devil. He's very good at intimidating. But it doesn't have to be the way your enemy says it's going to be for your life. My God will determine what happens to me. Your God will determine what happens to your life. What am I going to do if I'm forced to do this? What am I going to do if this happens? What, if I, what am I going to do if they come in here a little while with the police and arrest us because we're having church and, and, you know, that's illegal these days or whatever it may be. God's going to determine what happens to our lives. I am His and I belong to Him. He has promised to take care of me and He cannot lie. Not that he seldom lies, not even that he never lies. He cannot lie. And he has promised to take care of his own. I'm going to look to him. I'm making a profession of faith this morning. I'm going to look to him. I'm going to call upon Jesus. I'm going to joyfully wait upon the Lord. I will call upon Jesus. I will fall upon Jesus. If I need to repent, I'll repent to Jesus. If it's sin in my life, He's my God. He will provide for me another way. Another way where I didn't see it, but He saw it. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. The Lord is taking care of us. I'm bringing this to a close. Death by capture at Pharaoh, death or capture by Pharaoh's hand are drowned in the Red Sea. And all our little children drowned with us. That's all they saw, right? But there's, there's another way. God's going to make a dry path through a wet sea. Wow. Who would have thought of that? Not me. I'd say, just rapture me now, Lord. He might well deliver us with the from things in this earth he will at some point through the rapture of the church but there was another way there was a third way Daniel stop praying to any God or make any petition to anybody other than the king of Persia for 30 days alright that's stop praying or you'll be thrown into the den of lions two ways God made another way didn't he he kept praying to his God. He was thrown in the lion's den and God let him sleep like a baby. And the lions didn't harm him at all. Wow, I wouldn't have thought of that. Those lions are hungry. I wouldn't have thought of that. But this, I'm a rock in a hard place. Stop praying and I know I'm supposed to pray and I don't want to be disobedient to God and I need the Lord. But if I do, I'm going to die in the lion's den. No, there was another way God had provided you understand the point. You three Hebrew boys, bow down to the 90-foot golden image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up in the plain of Dura. When the music sounds, that's one. Or be thrown into the fiery furnace and die there. That's two. That's your choice. One or two. God made another way, didn't He? There was a third way. God had another way. They didn't bow down. They weren't even disrespectful to the king. They said, we know our God's going to deliver us. 
And if we die and he doesn't get us out of that fire, he's going to deliver us out of your hand, king. They didn't bow down. They were thrown in the fire. And Jesus was with them and they were saved. Their clothes weren't burned. Their hair wasn't singed. And I would relate that to us today. Christians, bow down. That's what the world's telling us. Christians, bow down. Young people, young students, adults, parents, children, bow down. Bow down to the God of this world. Bow down to the demands of this world or we will destroy you. Another pressure that we're feeling. Don't do this in public. Don't do that in public. Don't speak against homosexuality. Don't do this. Don't do that. We'll crush you. Don't put this on social media. If we see it, even if it's your own private account, we will cancel you. You are done. This is what the world's saying. They're good at threatening. We will destroy you. Do what we tell you. Fall and bow to our demands or we will destroy you. You'll never make it. There's no place for you. We will kill you. We will drive you out. But God, our God, is greater. And our God is not only mighty, as we said earlier, but almighty. And our God has the last word on everything. CNN doesn't have the last word on everything. The big major corporations don't have the last word on everything. China doesn't have the last word on everything. God has the last word on everything. Our God has the last word on everything. Even in death, our God delivers his people. We think that's not a deliverance. Wait till you get to heaven. You'll be glad. Amen. Even in death, he delivers us. For this God is our God, David says, forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. This God, the one we're reading about, talking about, that we worship and love, he's our God. And he will be our guide even unto death. Nebuchadnezzar didn't have the last word, did he? The three Hebrews didn't bow. And Jesus had the last word in their lives and delivered them. Daniel's enemies didn't have the last word. He was thrown in the lion's den for praying to his God and was delivered by his God. Pharaoh didn't have the last word. You remember what he said? I'm going I'm to get him. What do we do? His counselors saying, what do we do? We were stupid to let him go. Let's get him back. We don't have our workers anymore, our slaves. We'll get him back. He didn't have the last word. He didn't get him back. He didn't get him back and they didn't come back because his whole army was drowned in the sea. Think about David. Goliath said, David, come out of here, you little punk. Little midget. Come out here. I'm going to feed your flesh to the beasts of the earth and the fowls of the air. Did he? Did he feed David's flesh to the beasts of the, of the field and the fowls of the air? No, he did not. David slung a stone and it stuck him right here. He took his own sword off of Goliath and chopped his head off. Who had the last word? God did. And we can't forget. These aren't just stories. This isn't Disney. Tales. Aesop's fables. This is the word of God. And this is what he has told us. I want to close with this. 
God has the last word on everything. You can come on up. Jesus, let me tell you the last word for your life. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. David said, I shall live and not die, and I'll declare the works of the, of the Lord. Saul hunted him down. Some, some of our Bible scholars say 20 years. I don't know. Saul thought he'd have the last word there, but he didn't. God did. I'll live and not die, and I'll declare the works of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all stand with me this morning. While you're standing, the altars are open. And as you're coming to the altars, I have some, some scriptures that I'm going to read as you're coming. I pray that God would speak to your heart through it. But these altars are open, y'all. I'm opening them now to come and to pray and to get along with God. Simple truth. We all know the story about the children of Israel and the Red Sea parting. That's the same God that we serve today. We don't have a Red Sea out our back door, but we have a world outside that's saying, bow down or you're done. Some of these things we'll have to make our own decisions about. But I can promise you, wherever you are, there is that pressure to conform to this world and it's getting stronger. And we feel like we don't have a choice. It's this or that. It's this or I lose my job. It's this or that. And it's not this or that if we'll trust the Lord. There's this, that, and there's God Almighty. And we leave Him out so many times. We need to call upon Him and fall upon Him. I want to read some of this while these are at the altar. Just cry out to the Lord. You don't have to wait for me. Just begin to call on the Lord. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distress. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Another scripture. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. It seems like there's gates of brass or bars of iron. They're so strong what's coming against your life. And you say, I've got no power against this. This is the government or this is this. I have no power to stand against this. Or society. I'm powerless. It says he hath broken the gates of brass. And cut the bars of iron and sunder. I'm going to tell you all this morning. I'm going to die. Live believing that right there. I want to live this way. And if God calls me home. Or when he calls me home. I want to die that way. I don't want to live being a wimp. And being afraid of my own shadow. I don't want to be afraid to tell somebody about Jesus Christ, that He died and He's the only way, the truth, and the life. I want to be able to tell people that we need to be wise, but I need boldness, and I need strength, and I need to trust Him. Two more Scriptures. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of all their distresses. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Father, we just praise You.